You are listening to Grit and Grace, where I'm sharing my entrepreneurial journey with you and bringing stories to you of the most amazing women that are crushing it in business and in life. My name is Tomberly, and I'm a social impact entrepreneur, where I help businesses grow their community impact and their bottom line through their partnerships with nonprofit organizations. I'm also the founder of Tomberly's Tribe, a brand new group of female experts that from all different fields are helping women grow to their highest level of potential. Join us on this journey by downloading the Himalaya app, which is free, and follow us so we can keep you up to date on all of the new shows that are coming out. Welcome to my show. Welcome back to another episode of Grit and Grace. And we are still at the Biz Life Con put on by Second Act Women. And it is super, super exciting to see so many women over the ages of 40 and 50 that have not only launched the business, but it, they're crushing it. You know, we are we are ageless. We are women who are able to accomplish great things regardless of what age we are, the experience we have. And you know what? Life is not over when you're halfway through. And I don't know why or where this idea came up that being midlife means like done, right? Totally. um, I I was just actually asking a question to Teresa Byrne, who's sitting here with me, and I didn't even introduce her yet. So welcome, Teresa. Thank you for joining (laughs) me. Thanks for having me, Taverly. That's how I roll. I just go on a tangent and all of a sudden decide that we're going to just have that conversation now. (laughs) I love it. Yay. So let me go ahead and, and tell our listeners about you. So you are a modern day revolutionist in personal power. You're a nationally recognized self-development, self-defense expert, and you've worked with more than 20,000 people while influencing millions more through your television shows and your work on a TEDx stage, which, by the way, I will put your TEDx presentation in our show notes because I think it was amazing. Thank you. But you've also been on Spike TV, ABC, Thrive Global. You've been featured in the Huffington Post, The Good Men Project, Psych Central, and many others. And your mission is to help people achieve and unleash their inner power, their innate inherent power, in power, and stop being stopped. Right? I mean, how amazing is that? I kind of love it. I kind of dig it. I kind of love it, too. And one thing I love right now is that we are in the midst of, like, a break time at the conference. So those of you that are listening, you're going to hear some background noise. There's just no way around it. We're going to chat. We're going to talk. But we are going to have some of these amazing ladies behind and around us making some noise. Making some noise. You know what? We should have more women on the planet making some noise, right? Isn't that true? But we're making noise here today. It absolutely are, man. So in your TED, in your TED Talk, I, I really love it that you focus so much on what we can develop as women that comes from inside of us. And, and you talk a little bit about our intuitive sense, our power through who we are and how we operate, as opposed to just the physical part of self-defense. Because as you know, I'm a Krav Maga instructor, and you know, we are... I, I, we say that we, we teach people what to do once violence has begun, right? I mean, our, you know, our training, yes, we talk a lot about, you know, how to avoid situations and having good situational awareness, but we don't really cover the front chunk of that. We cover the back end, meaning right. shit has gone sideways and you're right. fighting for your life. And so we teach people how to um, do anything possible, any type of violence possible to survive. So um, I like that you were talking about a bigger picture in that part. Imagine if we walked around in our worlds so that we were in pre-defense. You don't need self-defense when you're in pre-defense. Like, you handle things. You have boundaries. You watch how people treat you. You only um, let people into your inner circle who have built trust. You're able to be vulnerable with people that you can trust. You don't um, get too close to strangers. You are conscious. And you walk from that place. 
that's true power. It's being able to know that you have whatever it takes to handle yourself in any situation. Man, you are like my sister from a different <laughs> mister. Like, you are talking my language. <laughs> Um, and, and the thing is, is that there's so much in that that we could talk about, but just even the idea that we intuitively know oh, we so do. what somebody's intentions are from the minute we meet them. In from fact, the minute. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share, because this is kind of funny, it's a funny example, that I'm, I'm single, so I date. And, um, and I, I date a lot. Of course you do. I have For those of you who can't see <laughs> Everly, oh my God, of, of course, course she's dating. Oh my gosh, she just made me blush. Thank you. <laughs> and I, you know what? I like to date. I've only had good experiences. You know why? Because I don't go out with anybody that I haven't spent five minutes with on the phone or interacting enough to where I can understand. I mean, I, you Amen, know. Amen, sister. And Amen. You know, and you know in five minutes because I know how I feel. And what if that is the guide? That is the guidance. So everywhere in our body, every single cell is geared for us to not just survive, but thrive. I, I guess my, my question for you is, how did you learn all of this? Like, where did it start? I think it started when I was a kid. The first time I ever protected someone else, I was eight years old. I watched some older kids bullying a younger, slower kid. And I, something in me moved me forward that I could not even stop. It was not even a conscious thought. Right now, we would call that the mama bear effect. But that was like, oh, hell no, you did not hurt that child. Oh, no, you uh. are not bullying that kid. So I would, um, I grew up in Colorado Springs, and I got in physical altercations protecting other kids or protecting other people. Now, being a coach and a consultant now, I would say... I would empower those people to protect themselves instead of doing it for them. Yeah. But at eight years old, I didn't have those skills. I was like, oh, that is not okay. And I didn't have to go through the filter of what are they going to think of me? What's going to happen? Like everything, every cell in my body wanted to protect that little kid that was getting picked on. And I did. So in my spiritual world um, and how I operate and the training that I have, that is, that is a warrior. And so as someone that's been initiated in a warrior council, I could tell you that that is an innate feeling. And I, I, ha I have that. I mean, there's so many reasons why I keep looking at you and I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's my sister. And it's really funny because Barbara said to me when she first talked about having you on the show, she's like, you guys are going to love each other. And I'm, she's like, she's your people. And I'm like, OK. Oh, I love finding our people. I, I mean, that's amazing. Well, um, and I, I understand the importance of that. And there is a role for people to do that. But I think that we are more successful when we empower people to, to, to handle themselves. Well, yes. Which now. is what leads us, right, which was what leads us to become instructors or teachers or coaches because we know we can create greater impact. But that's how you learned. If you hadn't had done that when you were young, like beat people up because they were beating young kids up, I mean, you probably wouldn't have felt empowered to continue in a different way. Absolutely. And I think that I was better at setting boundaries for others than I was with myself. Really? Why do you think that is? Um, that's a great question. I think through uh, college and studying social work and psychology, I would say I was a people pleaser. Mm. But when it came to personal harm or someone harming someone else, all bets were off. I so didn't you care would take it. You, people could harm you, but you were not okay with them harming somebody else. Right. Yeah. Right. And I would... Uh, try to fit myself into the mold. I was an empath as a child, and I also uh, was very intuitive and um, felt and saw things that weren't always there, very energetic child. 
And I didn't grow up in a family where that was common. My family are more engineering-minded, left-brained. And here's this unicorn child, believes in magic, and um, you can create what you need. And, of course, I can still talk to my dead grandmother, can't you? (laughs) Just that was who I was. And so boundaries were not necessarily the biggest part of how I understood myself. I was always very giving, and that to me was kindness. Well, cut to the chase. I first learned about boundaries in college. I studied social work and psychology, and I realized the power in boundaries. Because with boundaries, we can grow. We can hold our own space. We, and I teach boundaries completely backwards. Most self-defense instructors will teach you from someone coming at you a bad guy, a toxic situation, a difficulty, and that's when you set a boundary. Imagine if we taught boundaries from the inside out. What do I need to thrive? What is my spiritual practice? What does my morning routine look like so that I am my best? And that's how I teach people boundaries. Live this life from the inside out instead of, I will set boundaries when someone upsets me. Or they cross them or they're dangerous. Or they get pushed, yeah, like yeah. Like, the, like a trigger. Yeah. Wow, I like that a lot. Um, okay, so from the time that you were a child until you now, I just want to kind of address the spiritual question. So are, are you are a spiritually connected person? I am. I am. And I started yeah. training. I took uh, intuitive class training in 2006. I decided I was tired of... Uh, shoving it down and trying to pretend it didn't exist. Again, my family. So I would have dreams that came true. And when I would tell my mom about these dreams, she would be like, that's evil. Those are gifts of the devil. And yeah. I was like, no, it's not. At least I had the wherewithal to be like, no, it isn't. Yeah. But I, I thought that that was different and unique and uncomfortable. Yeah. So it wasn't, you know, people aren't walking around talking about like, hey, are you feeling the energy in this place? Should we see a ghost? Or Yeah. Yeah. Um, as somebody that is a seer myself, I, I definitely feel, I feel the weight of people's um, reflection in that. And I, I hasn't necessarily been negative only because I think that when people feel that from you, like I can feel that from you. So if you have a, a, any, any sort of in touchness with your body or you're in tune with who you are and you feel that from somebody else, it's a calming feeling from you. So maybe unless somebody's not for us. Yeah. So one of the things I talked about today when mm, I did the talk, which was, I missed cause I was podcasting. So I'm so sorry. I no, want to hear all you. of what you're you told doing everybody. Your thing. I'm doing my thing. It's, it's that people aren't necessarily toxic. They might be not good for us. So my energy might work for you, but it might not work for everybody else. And that's okay. My spirituality might work for you, but it might not work for other people. And that's okay. We don't always mesh. You know, we are our own energetic beings. About two and a half, three feet around us is our energy circle. And sometimes people get in your circle and you're like, yes, you are my people. And sometimes people get in your circle and you're like, uh, not so much. Thank you. Mm. But it doesn't make them bad or wrong. Yeah, right. Just they don't work for us. Right. And that's actually a really important topic to come to, to talk about because we're this show is going to be released right after I've finished Sacred November, which is me releasing a series of shows. So if you guys haven't listened to the show, go back and listen to all of these six shows that I've released in November. And it's me bringing forward the women in my life that are spiritual healers and they run businesses in the spiritual realm. And it's not something I've really talked a lot about on this podcast, Great and Grace, because although I'm featuring amazing women that are 
business owners or you know establishing careers or their coaches or they're doing just amazing things in life to help other people and other women um, I didn't necessarily bring that spiritual piece in until this last month of shows so it's, my birthday is November 13th so oh my gosh that's amazing well this is just really fascinating and, and I really thought we we're gonna talk we have so much to talk about I'm we glad can talk that we about have, whatever you want to talk about I'm glad that we have lots of time so let's tell, let it go let's let it flow let's, let's let it flow so what I would like to hear is from the time that you started training in martial arts until you earned right a fourth degree like master instructor level which I think you know you know as I know that's a very um, that's a very prized accomplishment thank you yeah uh, I wanted to be like mr. Miyagi he's my hero oh. he is calm and strong and he has this quiet strength he doesn't need to walk around and tell people that he can wail on him or he's got these skills he's irreverent he's funny he's connected and uh, right after college I was found a school and I was like you guys have women that train here? And they said, yes, tons. And there were about seven. <laughs> and we didn't train with pads at the time. Um, so there was no chest protectors. No, um, you just did what you did. Any contact? Yeah. 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 I mean, it was supposed to be light contact. And again, I learned boundaries. So when you're partnered with somebody, you don't want to break your partner. Yeah. So when someone's hitting you too hard, you say, I need you to, and, and it's hard, especially as a woman to go, hey, can you calm down a little bit? Or how do you find the words? So from there, I studied with another school. It was in uh, the martial art of Taekwondo. And I then founded a school uh, that was a blended style. And it was Taekwondo, Krav Maga, Hapkido, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and Muay Thai kickboxing. Mm -hmm. And I still teach uh, Muay Thai um, five days a week. You do? I do. Amazing. I do. It's cardio cardio kickboxing, but it's still the same thing. So one of my best friends is a man mm. named Chris Natsky, and we do a, we have a self-defense, um, uh, what do you call it, a self-defense company together. Oh, okay. And he looked at me, and he's like, you know, it's time for you to test, and testing is a biatch. Oh, I know. Trust it's me. so much I'm a training. level two instructor in Krav Maga, so I've done two phases, we call them, right? Got it. And which are, you know, three days long. It's... Yeah. Ours is four months yeah. or more. And for, well, I mean, it's not the training part, but the test itself is a continuous process yes. over three days. Yes. But yeah, it's I understand. And those of you that are listening, there is just no way for us to explain to you what it's like. It is. I I, re, I can relate it to some type of um, like basic training, maybe in military. Yes, it would be yes. something similar to that over a course of time. It's it's not. It's just not easy. It's not. It's not. It's not your normal fitness test. <laughs> no, you you get called to be more than you think you possibly are. Yeah. And uh, it. it and he told me, it's time for you to become a master. And I just felt like, who am I? After, I think I was training for 18 years, maybe, training and teaching for 18 years, 20 years. Who am I to say I'm a master? I don't know if that's me yet. And I had to kind of step into it. And how he got me, he said, there are no other female masters. We need you to be a role model. Think of all those young girls that you teach. And I'm like, damn, all right, I'm in. Wow. So what was the, the prep like for that? Oh, uh, it was like boot camp. Yeah. Um, probably about six months of training. So for my test as a fourth degree, I got to create it. So I got to be me. So I created it almost like a movie. And there was the movie of what martial arts looks like in the studio. So I did all of the forms and patterns and we tie and Eskrima sticks. And the only thing we didn't do is grapple. But... We did all of that stuff, and then I went out on a pretend date, 
And a bad guy would attack me while I was on my date with a box cutter, knife, um, baseball bat, um, punches, kicks. Um, I'm trying to think of what else they threw in there. So I And I would have to defend myself while maintaining this persona that I was on a date. And I would just distract my date. And then I would go fight and then come back. And that's kind of life, right? You go, you be your warrior, and then you come back. Wow. When was that? 2012. Wow. That is how, was that like a multi-day process or did you do all that in a single day? I did all day? of it in one single day. Oh my gosh. It was everything else up to the preparation. And so then everything changed in 2014, which is why I asked in 2012 um, or, or when that was. So in 2012, you achieved that rank and congratulations, because I do know, you know, thank you for being a role model for other women. And it doesn't matter to me in, in really in what style or how you do it. But any woman that's rising in the ranks to teach and show others that it's possible is really important. Like in this podcast, we talk to a lot of women who know the importance of being the vision that somebody else can see, because the truth is, is that as women, we often don't think that we can achieve something if we cannot see another woman in that role, which happens in business all the time, True. which is often why women don't apply for certain positions on their career path, because there's never been a woman in that position. So they, they don't want to be the trailblazer. They don't think they can be the trailblazer. So you're a trailblazer. So thank you for that. You're welcome. And imagine a male dominated industry, right? I was a school owner, mm. female school owner in a male dominated, not just industry, but an, it, it, the whole culture is masculine. Yeah. And I had the opportunity over the time that I owned the studio up until 2016 um, to be able to make a difference and show it could be done differently. You could teach martial arts, not with shame or fear, but you could teach it with empathy, with light, mm. um, with fun, with capturing the best that's inside of you. My job was not to train little soldiers, little martial arts soldiers. My job was to help the light in each person come out. And I knew that. And that when I was studying and training as an intuitive, that was the backstory of everything I did. It's like, how do I help these kids? And I had a lot of kids who were empaths or who were highly sensitive or I had um, students, you know, grownups that were like, why do I feel these things? Why did these things happen? And I got a chance to use my intuitive skills. I didn't have to, be, you know, put out a shingle as a psychic, but I could use those skills and help people as they're going through the martial arts training. And that's what I think really understanding what your gifts are in the spiritual world is that not everybody's actually meant to be a psychic or a, a seer as a trade. What we do is we use our gifts and our connection to create, you know, whatever it is that we're creating change in the world. And, and this is part of it for me. Right. And I, I love that. Yeah, it's it's I think that that's really important. And, you know, you must have faced, I'm sure, in your process of being a business owner in this field, like lots of challenges. And I can totally imagine what that's like. And you know, there's one question I, I, I was just thinking of that I wanted to ask you, which is, you know, isn't the percentage something like 92 percent of all people that have experienced violence will report feeling that they knew something was wrong before right before it occurred? Our bodies will send us signals. Yeah, we are programmed from the factory to know when something is unsafe. What we choose to do with that information is really what it takes to learn awareness and training, right? Yeah. But yes, 92% or if not higher. I can't recall. I mean, so don't, I don't want anybody to quote me, but I think it's like 92%. <laughs> I, we're going to go with that today because that's what I feel like. I so mean, 92% of 92%. people <laughs> know that something bad is going to happen. Yeah. Absolutely. And why do you think that we have fear to actually react? And I, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to give you an example of how I know Please. that we, I have this uh, even as well, even with my training, I still feel this way. A couple of years ago, I was in Las Vegas and I was running a conference there and it was really late at night and I was on like the top floor 
And you know how when you're running an event, you're working like late the night before. So I'm like starving. And the staff at the hotel, which was at the Cosmopolitan, there's a secret pizza joint there. They have to like go down all these hidden hallways to find. So it's like 1045 at night. I'm going to get pizza. It's the night before Halloween. And I get on the top floor of this building of the Cosmopolitan in my room. And two floors down, the elevator stops and two really drunk guys got on the elevator. What I knew to do was get off. But I didn't because I knew that if I got off, they were going to know that I got off because they got on. So my feelings of, oh, shit, they're going to think I'm some crazy bitch. And um, I am not some crazy bitch, but I felt that way. And so the entire ride down, by the time we got to the bottom floor, I was preparing to cause some very physical harm to the things that were happening in that elevator. And as soon as I opened the door, there happened to be security right there, of course. And I said, oh, by the way, (laughs) go talk to these dudes. This is what just happened. And they escorted them out of the hotel. But it's an example of even with, and this was a few years ago, but even at the time, it was, I felt it, I knew it, and I resisted. Why do you think we do that? I think for the most part, it's an expectation. We aren't, um, we don't necessarily walk around, unless you're a sociopath or you have disordered empathy, you don't walk around enjoying causing harm to others. And that harm can be what they think of us or what, we, right. you know, how, how they're going to react. And so without enjoying those kinds of feelings, we don't like to inflict harm. In fact, I don't like to fight ever. If I have to, I have to. And I know how to take care of myself, but we don't enjoy it. So it's not something that we're geared for. Plus, you've got all that adrenaline running through your body that is either going to make you fight, freeze, which is really the longest one because we had to decide what to do. And sometimes we get stuck in that freeze. Like we freeze for a second and then it sticks. And why do we care? And I mean, the question is, why do we care about strangers' opinions of us? I mean, that's the thing is that why do we, why does it matter to me what somebody that I don't even know feels about me? If I react in a way where if you've made me uncomfortable, if I cross you on the street and you start asking me casual information about directions and I'm not comfortable with that, why am I worried about what you think of me by the way that I react? I mean, I think that that's what you're talking about is that light from the inside, taking care of ourselves on the inside, yes. right? But we are conditioned uh, to be a tribal society. So we live through connection. And if we get kicked out of the tribe, if we are out of the, um, you know, if we're disconnected from people, there's a drive for us to connect to others so that we are included and safe. We are a tribe society. We are a tribal society. Yeah. We, are, we are wired for connection. And it's difficult to sever that connection. It's easier once you learn how to protect yourself and understand what's at stake yeah. is harm versus connection. Right, right. Yeah, I and think even that's toxic really relationships, yeah. right? You, you're friends with people or you date people. We date people or um, you might be around people who aren't good for you. Until you understand how bad that is for your system, yeah. how draining it is, how you can't shine your light, you can't do what you came here to do. When you're around toxic people, it makes that connection easier to sever. Yeah, that's powerful stuff. Is this what you do outside of teaching? Is this part of your training as a coach or as a mentor? How does that work? So in 2016, I sold my studio. I don't teach martial arts anymore. Sold. I, I no longer own the studio, so okay. I don't teach martial arts anymore. I am figuring out... What's next? It's speaking, it's engaging, it's instructing in a whole different way. It's mentoring, it's coaching. 
So let's go back to 2014 because I didn't. We didn't really get to talk about that, but I know that you. So you had a car accident and you suffered a brain injury. I did. And so how did that impact your path now? So many different ways. Um, after the car accident, I was run into a brick wall. And in that moment, I was powerless. Nothing I could do to stop it. No warrior about me could stop my car, my SUV from heading for that brick wall. When I was there, I had a near-death experience. And during that near-death experience, I was told that I wasn't done. And that was my question. Like, am I done yet? Have I done everything I came here to do? And I was told, no, I wasn't. So when I came back, I, did, I don't even remember hitting the wall. It was awesome. Oh. Right? So There's when a blessing. I came, in that, I know, yeah. Such a blessing. So when I came back, I just had to figure out what, my, what was I here to do? What else was I going to do? Um, prior to the accident, I was my whole shtick was I'm going to motivate and inspire uh, one million people. Well, that was before a, the accident or after before the accident. Okay, it's a lovely goal. But for me, uh, one of the Spike TV episodes I was on that I taught on had 800,000 viewers, and that wasn't enough. It was a whole level of me not mm. being able to ever feel into the peace of what I did or what I impacted. And for me now, if I do a speech, and I did it at TEDx Talk, I did a TED Talk, if I do a speech, I want one person impacted. That matters to me more than everything else. So the accident, I was put into what's called concussion timeout. Okay. Um, low stimulus protocol for over 18 months. Oh, yeah. You talked about that on your TED Talk. That, to me, sounds like heaven, to be honest. I mean, the 18 months of no stimulus. That part was not bad. It's just the unknown. Like you, doctors are not telling you that, oh, you're going to, you're going to do 18 months. I don't even know if it was 18 months. I stopped counting because it was depressing. You're going to do this many months and then you're going to start feeling better. No one told me that it was all unknown. So it was me developing a relationship with the universe and a whole new level of surrender and trust. So why did you need to go into a concussion timeout? Like what, what was the, is that to let your brain heal? I had the equivalent of six concussions and damage all over my brain Wow. and damaged brains don't regrow. The damaged tissue dies off. It's necrotic. You can rewire your brain using neuroplasticity, but it's slow and it takes a lot of effort. An injured brain, which is swollen, has a very difficult time creating neuroplasticity. I still have amnesia. I have emotional amnesia, which is actually kind of awesome. I don't want that to go away. I'm no longer an empath, which is also kind of awesome. But I pick up more information and more stimulus than I used to, just in different ways. I see. But I was not able to teach. I was not able to, my business, I spent 22, two decades putting oh together a business. Oh my 6,000 square feet, oh. 17 instructors. Oh my gosh. Who's gonna take care of everything? Oh my gosh, what, how? Who, so what happened? I had my staff step up. Oh step my up. gosh. I, um, I pulled money out of my 401k um, to try to pay my bills, to try to keep the studio going. And in 2016, I was finally like tapped out and I, I didn't have the energy. I couldn't run books. I mean, I'm in timeout, right? I couldn't not only just not teach, but I couldn't even run the business aspect of the business. I was supposed to sit in quiet time. Wow. So, so you move, so you've had to let that go. Had to let it go. I still teach kickboxing, um, five days a week and, uh, self-defense classes yeah. the studio, but so from two th- 2016 till now is where you're deciding what's next. Yeah. There is some, there is some warrior, whether it's spiritual, physical, coaching, you know, through a love warrior, all of the above, I, I mean, is so strongly in you. 
Is there like a fun warrior, or like a funny warrior, or like a, you know? I don't think so. There should be one. Yeah, I, I don't. Mean that. I think that, I mean, we could be the fun warriors. Right? Can we it's be? It's not about being a badass. It's no. about just having your stuff handled. And it's about connecting. Like, yes. And I, I'll tell you that there's, um, I have another podcast called Girl Talk, and it's a woman's empowerment group that's, um, the company Girl Clothing is owned by Courtney Olson, and so there's a lot, a massive amount of women in this community, and I, nice. I have the blessed honor of hosting the shows of telling the stories of the women in the girl community. And from day, like the very beginning of starting that show, I knew that if one person listened to each of these women's stories, one, just one person, their life was going to forever be changed. And that's, that's always been my goal. One person, because that right there is that's changed because if that person changes, then they could break the cycle for their, their generations ahead of them, for their neighbors, for their friends, for their family. I mean, there's so many positive aspects to just impacting one person. And so that's, that's what I do even here. I mean, if one person's listening to this and feels something about resilience, because you are super resilient in how you've lived your life. Thanks. Um, yeah. One woman empowered will empower how many other women? Yeah. So how can we turn that into a comedy show? Maybe. Maybe we should do a comedy show. I think Debbie Debbie Shear is here too. Oh, she's and probably really funny. I'm just like, oh, have you not off met Debbie? Cuff? You haven't seen her. Oh my goodness gracious! I'm gonna I'm gonna give her a little shout out here. So she is one of my favorite people, and she is so super funny because she's so real and raw, and it's amazing. We should have her teach us like some improv, and maybe we should do like some some like warrior. We'd be funny warriors. Yeah. I would much prefer. And that was my favorite thing about teaching little kids is we do lion push-ups. Yeah. Rawr, you know, and engaging that kid part of our, our life. And I think that's what, where humor comes from, too. Yeah. We are too serious in a lot of cases. Dude, I am. We're, I got all serious in this conversation, and I, I didn't mean to be. So, yes. No, it's okay. It's good. I mean, sometimes we have to talk about the serious stuff to make it light. Sometimes that's how we bring it out. But today at the BizLifeCon, you are teaching a session called Never the Same, Five Steps to Empower Your Future. I would love to hear a summary of that. Can you share that with us? Yes. I will summarize the 45-minute talk in a couple of sentences. I'll give you 45 seconds. How about a second per minute? I'm just kidding. You should have seen her face. She's like, damn, you're harsh. I was going with two sentences. (laughs) I got a whole 45 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're so funny. Uh, Never the same is about any... Everything that happens in our lives is unpredictable. And for every single one of us, there's one event. There is a thing that happens where from that point forward, we're never the same. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah. And it's learning how to tap into your power in those instances and going forward and not letting it drag you down. Like, I'm not, Teresa, I'm not a brain injury. Yeah. I'm not a TBI. I am a lot of different things. I'm a warrior. I'm a teacher. I'm an instructor. I'm a speaker. I'm a lot of different things. So that one thing that happened, we might not be the same. We might just be different. And it's not bad or worse. Yeah, that's powerful, especially for women. I think that for women, one of the hardest parts in that process is letting go of who you used to be. It's oh, like, yeah. And I, I mean, my gosh, especially when we've been like when you get married and you have kids and you follow like this traditional route. When you get past that, because we're at Second Act BizCon, right? So I right? mean, this is women over 40 and 50. So many of us have had lives as women where we filled roles of motherhood or wifehood. And then when you get to this stage, it's you have the opportunity to be whatever you want, but we often attach ourselves so much to how we used to identify 
what we mm. deem the successful part, right? Oh, sister, you're speaking the language. It's oh. how we define ourselves. And when some outside circumstances redefines it for us, somebody might have gotten sick, divorced, filed bankruptcy, lost a job, got a new job, um, got older. I mean, there's grief when we get older. Certain things aren't always the same. Uh, we have so much attachment to how life looks or how we look. And after my accident, I had this great definition of enlightenment. And I always thought enlightenment was the place that you got to and you got to stay like in a rock or a cave or whatever. It's not. Enlightenment takes three steps and we move in and out of it. Releasing triggers. So no longer triggered. Letting go of attachment and letting go of outcomes. And those three things we do minute by minute. Not, I'm going to get on a rock and meditate and be enlightened. It's like, no, okay, I can release my trigger in this moment. I can be grace, full of grace. I can release my attachment to how I want it to go because, boy, do I want it to go a certain way. I love that. And it often doesn't go the way that you want. Ever. It's like having some, it's having, it's also having blind faith in, in the universe having your back. Right. It's blind faith in you knowing yourself to know better so that you can go straight forward to a corner in the road and not know what's at the other side of that corner. It's, it's still going full speed at that corner, knowing that it's, it's going to be okay. And that is a, that's powerful. And how do you teach people that? So a lot of it is stop being stopped. It's like, our power gets drained by distractions, drama, uh, toxic relationships, the inner bully, the, you know, the crap in our heads, um, all the things we say yes to that we don't mean, all of the things we need to be taking care of ourselves around. So our power is constantly being drained. So I don't love saying that I'm a not person, but I'm really looking for all of the places where your power is not. So then we can create a strategy and then find your power again. So for a lot of women, we might try to be all things to all people. A lot of us are people pleasers. That's how we got rewarded as children. We were rewarded for helping others, for playing quietly with dolls, for chatting. And that's, we were rewarded for these certain behaviors that may not serve us anymore. And if they're draining your power, then you can't be the light that you came here to be. You know, you're kind of, and I think a lot of women feel like that shell of self. And there's a reason because we're feeling, we're trying to be something we're not, or we're trying to put together uh, a persona based on other people's expectations. I have a, um, a little, um, whatever you call it, meme for the word fear. I've heard false evidence appearing real, but I say it's this, forget expectations and roar. Mm. Everyone else's expectations on us, none of it matters. And I'll tell you, I've been on the other side in my near-death experience, and you don't take any of it with you. That's a really powerful thing that you just said there. Can you repeat the, your My little acronym? Fear. Yeah. Fear is forget expectations and roar. Oh, man, I love that. That's going to be the title of the show, Forget Expectations and Roar. Well, this is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your power and your confidence and your wisdom. Thank you. Because that's, that's wisdom right there that you're sharing. And how can people follow you or find you on social media? I have a website. It's TeresaBurn.com, and it's T-H-E-R-E-S-A. Do I need to spell my name? B-Y-R-N-E. No, I'll, I'll put that. I'll put that in the show notes. And I, I see that we have a Facebook is In Power Living. 
And LinkedIn, or yeah, LinkedIn is Teresa Byrne, that's B-Y-R-N-E. And then Instagram is Teresa Byrne underscore one. All of this will be in the show notes. People Thanks. can find you. And we look forward to following your journey and seeing where this takes you. And uh, maybe we'll develop our own little fun thing to do. And, you know, maybe we'll do this again. It would be really great to talk to you again where we maybe have a little bit more quiet time. And, um, you know, I, I really appreciate you and I'm grateful for the work that you're doing in the world. As you as well, taking your spiritual side and allowing that to come out into the work that you're doing and also empowering and lifting up women. So needed, so important. Thank you. Thank you. And for those of you listening, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, you can please leave us a review or you're always welcome to send us a comment. And if you're listening to us on Himalaya, give us a follow. And this is Grit and Grace, and we will be back soon. We hope you enjoyed the show. Hi, my name is Les Conley, and as producer of this show, I enjoy listening right along with you. Don't forget to download the Himalaya app and follow Grit and Grace so that we can keep you up to date on all the exciting shows coming your way. Please check the show notes for links to our guests and feel free to contact us for more information. Taver Lee is a social impact entrepreneur, and she can be found at taverlee.com. That's T-A-H-V-E-R-L-E-E.com. We know your time is extremely valuable, and we appreciate you spending it with us. Thank you.